Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Church. Uh, for those of you, if I haven't met you, my name's Heather, um, and I have the honor and privilege to serve alongside my husband as the recovery ministers here, as Nathan uh, mentioned, and also as the adult ministries uh, pastor here at Graceland Church. And I'm honored to be able to share with you today. And as Pastor has uh, shared over the past couple of weeks, we are in our Advent season. Um, and I'll just kind of reiterate a little bit in case you've missed it that Advent means an arrival or a coming. Advent season is where we stand right in the middle of two realities. And as we are in our third week of Advent season, we are reminded that an arrival has already happened, that being the birth of Jesus. Um, But as Christians, we stand here looking back at remembrance of what has already happened, but also looking forward um, at what will happen in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we stand here in the midst of this tension, And as we continue our Advent series, um, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, Pastor Nathan has talked about joy and love, and I'm excited to share with you today about the message of hope. Hope um, is why I live today. Hope is why I'm alive today, and it's also why why and how I am able to continue to live each day. Real hope. Real hope. For some of us, we put our hope in people, we put it in a government, we put it in an ideology or a system, we place our hope in a thousand different things. And I want you to ask yourself today as we walk through this message, where are you placing your hope today that you believe will fill you up, will satisfy you, will satisfy an aching or a longing in your soul? Because the reality is that all things will dissipate to some degree this side of heaven. And if everything dissipates, then who or what is my hope in? Oftentimes we have to speak to our soul much like David did in the Psalms when he said, Soul, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. You see, God doesn't dissipate. And anytime you put your hope in something else, something that can be taken from you, you are at risk of being downcast. We use the word hope in our daily language all the time. Like, I hope it stops raining so I can play golf today. I know that's something Michael Newman probably probably says. I hope my kids made their bed today. (laughs) I hope it snows on Christmas morning. In the scripture, it's used over 200 times, and it means a confident expectation of the future, a contagious enthusiasm for what will come. We're going to read a scripture in Matthew 1, 18 through 25 to open the message today, and then we'll pray. If you'll read along with me, if you don't have your uh, Bibles, we'll have it on the screen for you. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
and she will bring forth a son, and you shall, name, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we just invite you into this space, God. I pray that no matter where we are at uh, in our walk with you, Lord, I pray that... um, You will just convict our hearts today of the hope that we have in you and that the hope in you is all that matters. Holy Spirit, come be in this place. Be with us today, Lord. We invite you. We want you. We need you, Jesus. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. So there is a significance to Jesus' birth, and Christmas is the day that we celebrate the earthly birth of our Savior. His uh, birth into this world was planned. It took 42 generations before he arrived. His birth is special because no one else in all of history gets the same treatment as Jesus. He's in a special category all by himself. We've searched all over and found that none can compare. There's a lot of debates about a lot of things, and people will fight over a lot of issues in the Bible, but there are two things that we cannot debate on, and one of them is the resurrection and the fact that Jesus conquered death. The other is the authenticity of the virgin birth. If we were to compromise on that, we would equate Jesus to a normal human being, but he is not. He is God wrapped in flesh. He is God with skin on. These are significant because what you believe in dictates your hope. The first thing I want to look at today is that Jesus came to express the hope of God through his divine conception and birth. This is fulfilled prophecy Um, in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So Isaiah prophesies this 700 years before Mary was born. This is how we know his conception, his birth is divine and it fulfills scripture. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is what Christmas is all about. That's the message. Jesus came to express the hope of God. When we're celebrating, we're reminding ourselves that Scripture is fulfilling itself, that Jesus is God wrapped up in human form. And we can put our confidence in the Scripture, and we can put our confidence in Jesus. Isaiah 11.1 1 says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is a promising uh, prophecy from Isaiah to a people who have been cut down to almost nothing. God was up to something in the nation of Israel. Israel had placed their hope in, in, in other gods, but the promise of redemption echoes over 700 years before the birth of Christ through the prophet Isaiah. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Could it be that the branch that Isaiah speaks of is a baby born in Bethlehem? That Isaiah is seeing seven centuries 
into our current hope. Peter calls it a living hope. The author of Hebrews calls it an anchor for our souls. Paul in the New Testament takes the gospel to the Gentiles and he says in Romans 8, 24, he talks about the nature of hope and he says, we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, if we can hold on and hold out and hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently and patience is the proof of hope. Sometimes we have to learn that the hard way. Real hope holds on tight while we're walking through the hard. You see, hope is something that all of us need, yet so many of us don't have. There are so many still lost in the dark. There's been times when I felt so hopeless in my own life. And I have a choice that I have to make to believe in him and the hope that I know he offers in the supernatural, which far surpasses any of the experiences that I'm having in the natural. Luke 18.1 says, always pray and never lose hope. So when bad things happen, we have a choice. We're either going to panic or we're going to pray. We're going to worship or we're going to worry. Hope says it's bad, but I still believe. I still believe. And when the going gets tough, we just need to ask God to throw chaos and confusion into the enemy's plans. You see, there are some seasons that will take you down and they will cut off your branches and they will prune you to the core. But even in the pruning, there is a promise. Isaiah said, I see a stump cut down to nothing. Oh, but I see a shoot coming from that stump. Number two, real hope is based on God's word and not my wishes. And I believe that we can learn from Mary. She is one of the distinctive parts of this story. And I want to be fair here. We tend to make too little of Mary. She is a woman to be esteemed. Don't don't be confused here. Not worshipped. But I mean, Mary, she's from this little podunk town, right? And, And she's everything you would think that she shouldn't be. And God said, that's exactly the person that I want to carry out my huge assignment in this world. God has an uncanny habit of using people that the world might often look over. God delights in using the most unlikely people. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about him and his glory and only what he can do. We all experience brokenness at some point in our communities, in our families, in in our relationships. And you might be asking today, is God going to come through for me? Does he really mean what he says? Because hope can be challenged. Like, does God really see me? Can you imagine being a young girl and an angel appears to you? That wasn't part of her plan. She was betrothed to Joseph. And the age of betrothal was about 12 to 14 years old. So we're not picturing some 20-something girl here. Joseph was about 18 to 20. And a betrothal is stronger than an engagement, but it's not marriage. But it is strong enough that it requires a divorce certificate. In fact, if a woman was caught in relations while betrothed, it is said that she was to be stoned. In Luke 1.30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
An angel shows up and says to Mary, Mary, we have an assignment for you. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. We know she must have experienced some sort of fear or shown some sort of fear in, 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 her, in her face at, at some point because the angel said, do not be afraid. On my recent trip to Israel, I had uh, the opportunity to stand in a location that was believed to be where this conversation, where this meeting took place. And this is, this is a photo of where they believed the angel met Mary. And when you stand in a place like that, and you picture your own self as a 12 to 14-year-old, I can't imagine what went through her mind in that moment. can't imagine what was just swirling around. Like, if I say yes to this angel, what is the community going to say about me? How are my parents going to respond to this? What is Joseph going to think? Uh, what is he going to say? Will he leave me? Will I be all by myself? All these things, these thoughts surrounding Mary. And the angel said, do not be afraid. Notice Mary's disposition in Luke 138. Mary said, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord's. Let it be to me according to your word. She stayed. She stayed in the conversation with the angel and in communion there. How many of us, when things get uncomfortable, we resist. We want to pull back and pull away from it. And sometimes the Lord invites us into somewhere and we resist it out of whether it's fear, whether it's the feelings of inadequacy, whether there's shame there. But instead to have this hope and remain right where God is calling you into because you have this certain hope, right? Because a certain hope is a biblical hope. A certain hope says that you are going to have what you hope for. For her to say yes to this angel is literally to trust God with her life. That's hope. That's real hope. Number three, we hope in the living God who has a divine name and character. When God gives an, a name, there is important truth in that name, and there is character wrapped all up in it. Jehovah, salvation. Alpha and the Omega, the bread of life, the deliverer, the lamb of God, the seed of Abraham, the chief cornerstone, the I am, the king of kings, the only begotten of the father, the first among many brethren, the true vine, the Emmanuel, the morning star, the root of David, the holy one. I could go on and on all through the, all through the Bible in every book. There is something about Jesus. He's a lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's a heart fixer, and he's a mind regulator. He's more than you will ever need in this life. Philippians says his name is above every name, and that every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess at the mention of his name. I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. I've been healed and delivered in that name. There is no other name. At the mention of his name, demons will tremble and the devil will back down. 
God knows what he's doing, friends, and he knows exactly when he's doing it. And when we hope in Jesus, we get this brand new energy to overcome absolutely everything. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, exists, and we matter to him. And he has the power to help us in and through anything. This is where our hope comes from. The problem is we put our hope in other things like politics and spending. Oh, if I only had this, then I would be happy. We put it in relationships. We put it in accomplishments. But we, as believers, we we name our hope. We know exactly where it comes from. It's not a place. It's a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Number four, he came to enable us a relationship with God and not religion. I often wonder, why would anybody want to go to heaven and be with him for all eternity, but not want to know him now? We need to know him now. We need to know him now. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they show his humanity. The fact that he eats, and on the cross he got thirsty. In John eleven thirty five, 35, he had emotions. It says Jesus wept. He experiences pain. His humanity is important because it makes him relatable. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He did not sin. One of my biggest pet peeves is sideline announcers who have never played the sport. Because there's this sense of conviction, of relatableness, and, and connection to the game that gets lost. In life, we don't serve a God who just sits up high and looks down low, but he came down low. He can sympathize with our weakness because while he was fully man, he was fully God. The Gospels show the deity of Jesus. His Godness is on display where he walks on water where he calms the storm, where he raised people from the grave like Lazarus. He feeds the multitude with a few loaves of bread. His deity is constantly on display. And this is important because Jesus in his humanity can relate to my humanity, but in his godness, he can overcome all of my weaknesses. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is absolutely everything when it comes to hope. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, says, Over the years, I've had fruitful dialogues with many members and leaders of other religions, and I've been convinced that what makes the difference for Christianity is the incarnation. No other faith says God became flesh. No other faith. Jesus is God in skin. Emmanuel with us. Emmanuel with us at the graveside of a loved one. Emmanuel with us when we are with our child in the ER. Emmanuel with us when we are at our lowest point. Let me tell you, friends, if you want to know about God, if you want to know what God is like, we have to take a look at Jesus. Whatever your perception of God is today, Jesus came himself to bring hope for us. 
I love the story about Joshua Bell. You may have heard it, but several years, several years ago, on a cold January morning, he made his way to a metro station in Washington, D.C., and he pulled out his $3.5 million violin, and for 45 minutes, he played. This world-class violinist, okay? Pieces from Bach. While those, these individuals were hurried to go about their business and to get to their jobs, thousands of people passed this world-famous violinist, not realizing that just two days before, this same guy headlined and sold out a theater in Boston with the average ticket being about $100. And here two days later, playing Bach on his $3.5 million violin, playing in the cold metro DC area. And in the 45 minutes, only six individuals stopped. When it was all said and done, he collected $32. It's more than obvious to say that passerbyers had no idea who was in their midst. To a much greater degree, I believe that we could say the same about the 33 years of which Jesus spent on earth. Here he is, God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us for 33 years, and most people had no clue who was in their midst. Most continued to do life the way they had always done it in the presence of Jesus Christ. Few actually stopped to hear him. They didn't grasp the power of the incarnation. We're facing a time where the hope of Christ is missing. And I love what um, Pastor Rick Warren says out of Saddleback Church in California. I've shared this before, and it is so powerful, and so I'm going to share it again. This is what he says. He says, when a culture forgets to hope in God, wealth is idolized, truth is minimalized, life is trivialized, abortion legalized, television vulgarized, advertising essentialized, everything sexualized and commercialized, our conscious is desensitized, education secularized, free markets are monopolized, politics polarized, sports scandalized, morals and ethics liberalized, in entertainment crime is desensitized, desensationalized, drugs legitimized, sin is glamorized, courts are paralyzed, the breakup of the family is rationalized, manners uncivilized, Christians are demonized, God is marginalized. He says it's no wonder people have no hope. They've forgotten about God. And you see, we're not the only ones. There's other people who missed him at Christmas. The innkeeper, if they only knew that the Son of God was in their midst, I bet you they would have found a room. The innkeeper didn't have room. And I want to ask you today, do you? They were so into politics and money that they missed it. King Herod, he missed it. Matthew 2, 3 says, when he heard about the wise men, Herod's like, I'm the king of the Jews. What do you mean? What do you mean you're looking for the king of the Jews? And like us, Herod didn't have room in his life for two kings. We miss Jesus trying to rule our own life and be our own king and be troubled by the fact that he is the only king. People don't want Jesus to interfere with their lives, with their careers, with their families, with their plans. But I can tell you that when Jesus shows up to be king and is rejected, there is going to be trouble. 
We want Jesus all in our vicinity, but just not on the throne. If Jesus can't overrule us, if Jesus can't silence us and tell us no when we want a yes, we're not celebrating the hope of Christmas. We're celebrating ourselves. The religious folks missed him. We're told that King Herod, he goes to the religious leader and he asks, where's the Messiah going to be born? And they're like, in Bethlehem. It's this little two-bit town. They know the scripture, but they didn't go to Bethlehem. You know who went? The wise men, the ones without any training. He says, you search the scriptures, but you don't have life because you don't come to me. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Friends, he is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And if you haven't experienced him in a certain way yet, or even if your experience and and your understanding is so small, we know that he is not. He is a good, good God. And he's been good since the garden. And he's been good since before that. And if that's not your conviction today, I want to encourage you to just prophesy it over yourself that he is good. This is our God. This is our God. You will go through storms. You'll go through financial, moral, ethical, relational, physical waves in your life. But I want to encourage you today to have this hope. To have this hope. You see, if Mary didn't say yes, there's no legacy because there's no hope. We are so structured to not have to experience hope unless we're forced to. If you want real meaning in your life, real significance, you're going to have to hope in God. Hope like a 12-year-old child. Mary said on the front end, I don't know how this is going to work out, but my hope is in God. Maybe you haven't entered into this relationship yet with this Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe today you acknowledge the way that you've been navigating life and it hasn't been working out. Maybe God has allowed you to come to the end of yourself so that you can let go of whatever is holding you back from hoping in him. And maybe that's hard. Maybe today you say, I'm a sinner and I'm a flawed person and my sin is separating me from experiencing real hope in a holy God. The good news is, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life and that no one comes to the Father but by me. And I want to encourage you today to let go and trust in their one real hope. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope, it's a profound sense of confidence of what will be. And so while we wait with abated breath of our coming King, Paul displays the very nature and essence of God in Romans 15, 13. And it's a benediction of sorts. Paul hopes for his readers, his church, and he says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Isaiah said, I see a stump cut down to almost nothing. 
but I see a shoot coming from that stump. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come as we respond today. Some of you in here today have held on during the toughest times. God gave you the strength to endure that. And in times you maybe didn't even know it was him. And when things changed for you, many left you. Many wrote you off. And not only did you endure the storm that you, that you, that you went through, but you grew in the storm. You're different. We were made to be different. We weren't created to fit in. He created you to stand out. And he's about to bless your faithfulness and take you to a level that you didn't know possible. Receive that today in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I feel like I can see my God bigger and my problems smaller. Anybody with me? Let's thank Heather for sharing an awesome word today. I love getting to sit other, other, uh, under anointed teaching, um, and it always reminds me, uh, you know, because I get to preach and teach a lot, but it's important to hear other voices. It always reminds me, um, like during response time, I always sit forward in my seat, bow my head, and there's this posture of responding to the Lord. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, for God's presence among us. And as just a reminder, our prayer team uh, that is up right now, we love to surround the room and be available to pray with you if you have anything you'd like to pray about. And if not, that's fine. They just worship and pray for you as we respond. So that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to pray this benediction uh, over us. Can't wait to share with you about peace to finish our Advent series next Sunday. Peace with God, peace with ourself, and peace with others. Doesn't that sound good? Let me pray this over you and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys very much.